Hello, and welcome to the Southeast Students Podcast. Here you can find all of the teachings from our special series in middle school group and high school group. Our goal as a ministry is to guide young people into a personal relationship with Jesus and train them to become like Him. We pray that these teachings help you to do just that. You're listening to our study through the book of Acts. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. So last time we saw the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. They're waiting in the upper room. Um, There's a rushing wind. Fire rests on each of them. Pretty crazy. Um, And then they start speaking in languages they didn't know. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling them and they're speaking in all these crazy tongues. And the one question that all the crowds have is like, what the heck is going on? That's kind of where we left off. Some people are genuinely curious and some people are like, they're just wasted. They're drunk. Obviously, they're not speaking they're not with the lord here this is out of line it's bad um but that's where we pick up today so this is a really long section we're about to jump into so normally i'd have us like read around or like a couple of us would read what i'm gonna do is as we go through i'll have you guys read a couple of verses at a time so who wants to be the first person to read it's verses 14 through 15 it's just two who's the brave soul don't make me pick on someone ah naomi can you read verses 14 and 15 yeah, 14 and 15 of Acts 2. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and mm-hmm. all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Amen. So, I love that. It cracks me up every time I read it. Like, I get a good chuckle. But Peter, he takes the opportunity. So... Everyone's asking questions like, what the heck is going on? There's all this wind. There's all this fire. It's super weird. People are speaking in languages. And Peter, he takes this as an opportunity to speak to the crowd and to answer their questions. And this is like a huge step of growth for Peter. I want you to think back to like just in the last gospel when we saw him. Like one of the last things he did in there was he denied Jesus three times. And so he's come a long way from that guy to this guy. And that's not because Peter is awesome and that he went through all this self-help character growth stuff and he's like, well, if I just work on myself, I'll be better. It's because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's just what the Holy Spirit is in the business of doing, is like when he fills someone, they're changed from the inside out and they become a different person. Um, So Peter is still bold, like he always was, but before he was bold about saying really stupid things. And now he's bold about saying really good and godly things. And so it's not like Peter's personality was just deleted and replaced with some empty one. Peter is still Peter, but he's more the person Peter was made to be as opposed to the fake version of him. I think that was tainted by sin and he's still a sinner, but like now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit and so he's a new creation. But that occurs not only in Peter's life, that occurs in every believer's life. And this is really key is because as we come to Christ and as we point other people to Jesus, it's like important to know that this is what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms people who are spiritually dead and he makes them spiritually alive. Bible's on heads, I'm sending you to a verse because if the middle school guy comes and teaches, this is what I do. So DJ, since you're not aware, what we do is, have you done these before? So we fold the Bible on our head and then the idea is that it's far away from your thumbs and then we race to turn to the passage as fast as we can. So I'm gonna shout out a passage to you and then you'll race there as fast as you can. All right, you guys ready? Romans 8, 10 through 11. Amen. 
Amen. So Paul's point there in Romans is like when the Spirit comes in you, you are dead. Huh? 10 through 11. That was it. You got it. So Paul's point there is that when the Spirit comes into you, it's like you were dead and then you're being made alive. And it's like if the same Spirit who raised Jesus to life after he was literally crucified and died, that same Spirit lives in you and now you become a new creation. Um, question for you guys is like, do you guys have any examples throughout your life of people who were like radically transformed by the Holy Spirit? Like you saw them one way and they came to know the Lord and then they were a completely different person. Do you guys have any thoughts or like examples of that? Someone we personally know? Yeah, yeah, someone you personally know or even your own life, I don't know. Yes? Uh, a kid on the cross country team last year, he was like, he would swear a bunch or whatever and was not a very good kid or whatever. And then Johnny, this guy who was, he invited to him into his youth group. He basically kept going and then got saved. And now he doesn't like swear or anything. And he's like, yeah, totally new. Totally. That's a great one. You guys remember when Michael talked about his issue and he like had an issue swearing and saying crude jokes and stuff? And he said he tried to get it under control and he couldn't on his own. It was impossible. Because this guy's character growth, I don't know him personally, but I almost guarantee that if it's been long-lasting, it probably wasn't because he hunkered down and changed himself. It's because the Holy Spirit has filled him and then he's a new person now. And that's like automatic. That's why Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Because the idea there is not that we like strive, okay, you gotta love people today and you gotta be patient, you gotta be kind and all the fruit of the Spirit. Like the point of that is that, man, that's what the Spirit produces in you as you spend time with Jesus. It's just natural. That's not to say you don't have to put any effort in at all, but the Lord will do that work on your behalf and all that's required is that you give your life to him and he does that. So, um, but you guys also chuckled. This is one of my favorite verses in this section because Peter's ref like rebuttal against them being drunk. He's like, it's only nine in the morning. Like, of course we're not drunk. That's way too early to be drinking. We're not wasted, I promise. Um, so yeah, so it's like, I'm sure there are some people who drink at 9 a.m. But overall, the general norm is that you don't drink at nine in the morning. So they're not drunk. Something else is going on. Um, who can read verses 16 through 21 for me? Yeah, go for it. So, Peter is now quoting a section of the Old Testament because this is actually a sermon that he's about to give. And so, the sermon wasn't invented by pastors in the 21st century or the 20th century. It's not it's like a new thing. We've been speaking sermons for a very long time, since the very beginning of the church. Now, it doesn't seem like Peter prepared this one ahead of time, but the Spirit gives him this message. And, um, yeah, so he, much like any other pastor would, he's building his sermon around specific parts of scripture. And so he starts here with this section from Joel chapter two. And in this section, Joel's prophesying that in the last days, God's gonna pour out his spirit onto all flesh. So a question for you guys, was the Holy Spirit around in the Old Testament? Can anyone tell me? 
I'm getting some no's. Was he, was he, was, take that how you will. Was the Holy Spirit around in the Old Testament? He was. How so? Where? He was in Saul and David. You're dead on. Exactly. Yeah, so he was in King Saul and he was in King David. And so the obvious answer to that is like, of course he was, because God has always existed. And so the Holy Spirit has always existed for all time. He's never not existed. And so he did things in the Old Testament. You can find them all over the place. But the things he did were a little different. And so he, those are the exact examples I had written down, actually, like men like King Saul and King David and Joshua. He's with those people. But he's not with every single person who worships the Lord, which is interesting. So it seems to be that the Holy Spirit came upon people for specific things, but only came upon them for those specific things, and he didn't dwell in them. But Joel's prophesying that something different is about to happen, and that the Lord's going to do some new work, and that God's going to pour out his Spirit onto all people. So not just the great men, but like men and women, and young people, and old people, and even slaves, men and female slaves. And so the idea there is that anyone who desires to come to the Lord can come to the Lord and receive the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's not quoting this, and he's like, listen to what Joel is saying. So Peter's pointing to this as the reason that they're speaking in different languages and the reason they're glorifying God. It's not because they're drunk, because that doesn't make any sense. It's only 9 in the morning. That's stupid. But it's because God said is, God is doing what he said he would. So who can read verses 22 and 23 for me? Axel. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracle and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands and crucified and slain. Amen. So, I have another question for you guys. I know, lots of questions today. What is the point of miracles? Why does God do miracles at all? If you guys could tell me. You look like you have an idea, Savannah. Um, first of all, I feel like to display his glory, but also for the unbelieving, because he knows that our visual being is hard for us. Yeah. I feel like, first of all, for his glory, because he can, but right. also to help us see him. Yeah, I think, I think you're like right on it, exactly. It's for his glory, and it's so that he can prove himself to the unbeliever. Because miracles, they do help people. They help people when they're sick and when they're dying or in need of help. There's tons of stories in the Old Testament. But obviously God doesn't do that every time. So there's another motive at play because Peter is now really taking the whole thing to the main point because the whole situation isn't even about the fact that they're speaking other languages. Like, yeah, that's what he's explaining, but that's not the point because the whole reason that the Holy Spirit came and he filled the room with wind and they had the fire over their heads and they spoke the other language was really simple. It was to tell other people about Jesus. That was the goal. And that's always the goal of the Holy Spirit, every time. I don't hesitate saying that. The goal of the Holy Spirit when he moves is to glorify Jesus. It's not to give the disciples powers just for the heck of it. It's not like they earned it and now they get the superpower status or anything like that. It's not because they're awesome or whatever it is. Like, that's not the point. The point is that it points people to Jesus. And that's the same reason the Holy Spirit works in us today, by the way. Um, if you want like a barometer of like, is this something the Lord is doing in me? Is like, well, does it give God all the glory? That's a really great place to start because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I think naturally in us, we don't bend that way. Like when I think of things I want to do, it's usually because I want to look good for other people or I want to be awesome or I just have some passion of mine. But the Lord, when he's working through me, the idea is that Jesus gets all of the credit and all of the glory, which is already his. He owns it. And so that's what's happening here. Um, so Peter's pointing out 
that that's why Jesus did all of his miracles too. Because Jesus did all these miraculous things so that he could prove to other people that he was who he says he was, that he was the Messiah. That's why there's this story I was actually just reading in Luke where they lower, you guys know the story where they lower the guy through the roof? I just read that this morning and they lower the guy in and then the first thing Jesus does is he doesn't heal the guy. They, lower, they go through all the work. It's sad, I know. They lower him through the roof and they go through all this work and he says, your sins are forgiven. And he's like, what the heck? I came here to get healed. But everyone is questioning, like, what is he talking about? Like, who can forgive sins? Like, that is, like, crazy. And then, basically, Jesus says that the reason he heals him, he does heal him. But the reason he did it is so that they would know that the Son of Man had authority to forgive sins. And so the idea there is that he healed that guy, not just because it was, the, it was a good thing to do for him, but because it proved to everybody else that he really could forgive sins and that he did have the right to do that. And so that's what Jesus was all about. He, the miracles he did proved that he was who he says he was. So, did you guys notice that Peter accused them in verse 23? What did he accuse them of? It's pretty harsh. Murder, 100%. Yeah, like, by the way, you guys are the ones who killed Jesus. He straight up tells them, it's like, it was your fault. You put him to death. He's pointing the finger. It's full blame. Pretty harsh, like, ouch. Um, but like, just like Judas, they were responsible for his death because they were the ones as a crowd who shouted to crucify him. But here's the harsher truth that I think I want to bring up because I don't think Peter's just bringing this up to be mean and I don't bring this up to be mean either, but truly it's that we're all responsible for Jesus' death. Every single one of us. Because each one of us has sinned and our sin is the reason that Jesus died to save us, was to save us from the sin that we committed. That's why that hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, it says that we're part of the crowd that puts Jesus on the crowd or on the cross. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I wasn't born 2,000 years ago. But it was like, our sin is the reason that he was there. And so because of that, it's like, I don't say this to feel, make you feel bad, but I think understanding the gospel for what it is, it's important that you understand that you are part of the reason that Jesus had to die. It's like that you share blame in that. There's also forgiveness in that, and we'll get to that here in just a second. Okay, longer section. Who's willing to read verses 24 through 31? It's a really long section. Any takers? I'll call someone out. DJ, would you read it for us? 24 to 31, yeah. Amen. Thank you. Round of applause for DJ for reading that very long section. Thank you. Thank you. So this is the second scripture that Peter quotes. Um, he's quoting from Psalm 16, which is one of my favorite psalms. And much like last time that Peter quoted the psalms, it's about David, like kind of, but it's also about the Messiah and what Jesus would come and do. So Peter says that this passage, this psalm, can't apply to David. 
why? Because he died, exactly. So that doesn't make any sense. So David died, he kicked the bucket. And so now it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Did, was God lying? Well, no, because this prophecy was about Jesus. And the point is that Jesus was resurrected and he lives forever. And so, no, his body didn't see decay, it didn't see corruption, and he didn't stay in Hades forever. And so death couldn't hold him down. So God didn't leave his servant Jesus to die in Hades, and he didn't let his body see corruption or to rot. So who can read verse 32 and 33 for me? Colton? Yeah. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are, we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Amen. So Peter reminds the crowd, he's basically saying, listen guys, we didn't make this thing up. Like, I'm not just pulling this, like, out of random or out of thin air. Like, this really did happen. I saw it for myself and 500 people saw it. So Jesus really did rise from the dead. He really did do what he said he was gonna do. And since then, he's taken his rightful place at God's right hand, which is why we're filled with the Holy Spirit now. Just like he's, he keeps tying it back to Jesus. That's the point. It's like every chance he gets, he's like, this is all about Jesus. That's why we're doing it. Uh, who can read verses 34 through 36? Sorry guys, I know this is a lot of reading. Peter's sermon's kind of lengthy here. And so there's, well, there's only a couple more verses and then we'll wrap up, I promise. Riley. Amen. Guys, that's the end of Peter's sermon. We have a little bit more to go through after this, but he's concluding here. So this is the third and final passage that he quotes. It's from Psalm 110. Um, this is actually one of the most quoted verses in the entire New Testament, which I didn't know about, from the Old Testament. So it's like some 25 times or something like that is referred to throughout the New Testament. Do you guys remember Jesus quoted this verse when we were in Luke? If so, do any of you guys remember that? And if so, do you guys remember what it's talking about? It's kind of a weird verse. The whole Psalm is pretty weird. This is extra brownie points if you can remember. It was a very, very long time ago. No worries. It was a long time ago. I won't blame you. So the verse is essentially saying, uh, the Lord said to my Lord. So David's writing this. Um, but essentially it means Yahweh said to my Lord. So like the Father God said to my Lord, which is weird because David is king of Israel. And so he's writing about some guy. He's talking about the Lord, but then there's also some other guy who's above David. And David's like, king of Jerusalem, so no one's above him. So it's like, who is this Lord that he's talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus. And the idea here is that God the Father is giving authority over the entire universe to Jesus as the king of the world. And so that's what's happening here. Jesus is getting all the authority as king of kings. Um, and that's essentially what Peter's saying, is that Jesus has ascended to heaven. And he's received that now. So this prophecy has been fulfilled. So Peter closes his sermon, and he's summarizing the whole thing by saying this. He's like, guys, you have made a terrible mistake. Jesus came, and he was the Messiah you were waiting for, and you missed him. Not only did you miss him, you actually killed him, and so he died. But thank God, um, he rose again, and God the Father has made him both Lord and Messiah. And so he's God, and I've laid out the case for you. Who can read verse 37 for me? Kenny. <laughs> Why did you close it? Just because it's your birthday doesn't mean you don't get to read. No, 
Mm, sorry. I, get... <laughs> I think he needs another half of Okay, I'll come back to you for another verse. Um, who else? Elijah, can you read verse 37? So, I love this. It says that when they heard this, they are cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the apostles, and they said to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is like, if I could give you guys the perfect response you should have when you hear a message, this is it. This is exactly how you should respond when you hear the word of God, because they didn't just understand Peter's message in their brain. It's not like they're just like, oh yeah, I guess he convinced me that Jesus was the Messiah. Too bad we killed him. I guess we'll move on. It's like, no, they understood and it cut them to their very soul. So the whole message was about more than just proving people wrong. Peter's not doing this whole thing just to prove that he's right and he's smart and they're stupid and they killed the guy and they missed the point. Like the point was to draw people to Jesus. That's what Peter's trying to do here and it's what Jesus is doing through Peter. And so they ask the most important question ever, which is what should we do about what you've told us? This is the question that we as believers should always ask ourselves after God speaks to us. Because if you read the Bible and you say, well, that's pretty cool, and then you like close it without thinking about it again, it's like you would defeat the whole point. James talks about this in James chapter one. He says, it's like looking into a mirror and seeing what's going on. And then you're just like, like, and his point is that you're dirty with sin and that you need to be cleansed. And he's like, eh, it doesn't matter. And then you walk away. It's like, why did you even look at the mirror in the first place? Like the whole point of the word of God is that it's supposed to reveal things about you. And it's supposed to like, the Lord is trying to speak to you. So for us, when we walk away from the message after God has given it to us and we don't change and we don't listen at all, we're missing the point because we should be asking that same question. It's like, Lord, what should you have me do now? How does what you've just told me change the way I'm supposed to live my life? So this is more of an open-ended question for you guys. Have you guys ever had times in your life where the Lord spoke something to you and it like cut you to the core? I know it's a pretty vulnerable question, so I'll leave that to you if you wanted to share. Um, but like... I've definitely had times in my life where God spoke something to me and it was like, oh my gosh, I needed to hear that or that was hard. And I knew in the deepest depths of my soul that God was speaking to me. Have you guys ever had times like that? Does anyone care to share one if you're up for it? No, I'm getting some shaking heads. I'm like, no, I would never share something that personal. Yes, Riley. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, this is like really old, like fifth grade, okay, but I just remember this one time I got in an argument with my mom, and she was like, you're being so entitled, and I was like, whatever, you're, you're so dumb, you don't know anything, and I went to my room, you know, oh my <laughs> I wouldn't say that to her. Major I, sass, holy lie. smokes. I, I didn't say that to her. No, and then I went into my room, and then I just started praying, I was like, God, Make my mom come to her senses. She's crazy. And then I and then I was praying and I opened my Bible and it literally took me to this verse about entitlement. I was like, oh. oh. Um, and so it was kind of like directly talking about what I was talking about. And like, not to say that you should always just randomly open your Bible and expect it to be the right verse that you needed to hear. But I just remember that's like a one time I was like, oh, okay, God, I, I your message is loud and clear. I was yeah. wrong here. Um, totally. And then did you make it right with your mom oh, afterward? Yeah, yeah. I even told her about it. <laughs> yeah, that is a perfect example. Thank you for sharing that. That's like, that's what the word of God is supposed to do in our lives. It's like, man, when it hits and then it's like, okay, there's something that needs to change in my life. 
or something that needs to change in my thinking or something needs to change. Like that's why the Lord's speaking to us. So being cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit, it's actually a good thing. It sounds like it's a bad thing because no one likes to be convicted of sin. I've definitely been there before and I'm like, I'm in the wrong and now I have to confess this sin. And it's like, that's hard, especially when you have to confess it to somebody else. And it's like, now I have to be really vulnerable before someone and say that I did something wrong. And, but like, man, that's what the Lord is wanting to do. And it's not because he's vengeful or evil. Like that's not why he cuts us to the heart. It's because he knows what's best for you. And whatever's in your life that he's trying to change is like, man, the reason he's convicting you about it is because he knows your life would be better and you guys would be closer, you and the Lord, without it. And so he's like, man, just like, that's what my encouragement to you guys is like, listen to the Lord when he speaks to you. Whether that be through actions that you need to change or relationships that needs to change or just like something you need to understand. Like a big one for me was like really understanding the Lord's love for me. Like that's pretty crazy to me. And it's like, there have been many times where I'm reading a Bible verse and I've like, it cuts me to the core and I'm like, that can't be true. No way God actually feels that way about me, but it's true. And so like, I have to, I have to take that to heart and I have to listen and understand that he knows what's right and I don't. But if you guys leave high school group and you get out of here and you're like the most Bible wizards ever and you're the best at sword drills ever and you're super intelligent and you know all the answers to all the questions, but you haven't changed or grown as believers, I can attest for all of us as high school leaders that we have failed you and that we, you've missed the point of the whole group. Because honestly, like as I'm a huge Bible nerd, I love nerding out about stuff like this, but if this doesn't change my life, I've said this before, if this doesn't change my life, I need a new hobby because this is a waste of my time if I just get a bunch of knowledge and I'm not different at all. Like, man, what a waste. So that's what's happening here is that these people are being cut to the core. It's what the word of God does. Uh, a couple more verses. I know I'm going long and then we can wrap up. The street light came on telling me I need to go get out of here. But that was like 20 minutes ago. I know, I know. So uh, verse 38 through 41, who can wrap up for me? Cody, you're up. You raised your hand, bro. Nope, too late, bro. You already raised your hand. I know, I changed my mind. 38 through 41. That's pretty crazy. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord of our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from crooked generations. So those who received his words were baptized, and there, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Amen. Great story. Huh? It is a great day. 3,000 people getting saved is nuts. I had one of the kids in middle school group. He's like, how were they baptizing 3,000 people? He's like, that water must have been gross. But like, the... I was, I was doing I was re doing some reading in David Guzik's commentary, and he mentioned that there was, I think it was a Harvest Crusade, and I guess like 5,000 people got baptized in one day. So it is doable. This was in the late 90s. I'm like, that is so many people. I would assume it's not just like one yeah, at a time. Like, I know, there's gotta be like a system in place. Like, okay, you take that group of people, and but anyway, somehow 3,000 people get saved. But, but Peter answers their question here. The, essentially, it's really simple. He's like, okay, you wanna know what you should do about this? I'll tell you what you should do about this. Thank you for asking. He's like, first, you should repent of your sins. It's like, don't live your life against God anymore. Confess that you did wrong. That yes, your sin was part of the reason that Jesus came on the cross. Confess that. 
And then he said, secondly, to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. That doesn't mean that you literally have to be like dunked into the water to be saved. But the idea he's saying here is like you have to publicly declare that you're a believer. Like it's not just some secret thing in your heart that you're like, I guess I won't tell anybody, but I'll keep it here. It's like, no, no, no. Like publicly declare that you follow Jesus now. And then he closes with the best part, which is that if you do these things, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, thank God, isn't just for those elect 120 people who were there at that time, but for all of us, including us. He like specifically mentions us by name. He says, for the promises for you and your children and all who are far off. That's us here in Portland. The Holy Spirit's also for us. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to ourselves or to himself, sorry. So you get to be a part of this crazy, amazing thing that God is doing. And that's really rad. Thank God that it's not just them, that we get that too. Uh, so 3,000 people are saved that day, and the church is bigger than ever, and then God is using Peter mightily. But the point of this is that this didn't happen because Peter was the best speaker ever. It happened because the Holy Spirit cut people to the heart. And so that's really the thing I want you guys to be meditating on as you go home from here, is like that the message that they heard genuinely changed their lives. And like that's what I want for all of you guys. Not just like because it's it would be nice for like our group or something, but because that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. And I can attest to the fact that when the Lord does cut you to the heart, that it's good for you. And I've seen it in my life. And it's like, man, I wish I had that more because oftentimes I'll read my Bible and I'm like, I'm not getting anything out of this. That happens on the regular. But the encouraging thing is that we can come to the Lord and I would encourage you guys this in this as we leave here. It's like, man, think about what the Lord wants to speak to you. Like, man, Lord, why am I not feeling cut to the heart when I read your word? And I honestly believe that if you ask him to, that he will reveal things to you. Because we serve a God that said that if you seek him with all your heart, you're going to find him. And that was a promise in the word. And so you can take that to the bank. But be thinking on those things as you head home from here. It's like, man, the Lord wants to speak to you and he wants to do something in your life. Only he can push you there. It's not like your own self-help. It's not anything else that can transform you into the person that you're supposed to be. Like the Lord has to do that. And so let him do it. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southeast Students Podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out more online by visiting our website at ccscportland.com. Hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. Peace. Peace.